Hey guys, welcome to the Thinkable Guys podcast. And in this very special episode, we are joined by Date Marcy, also known as Annika. Annika, please introduce yourself. Hey guys, or should I say the Thinkable Guys? Um, it's nice to have you. Uh, nice to be on the podcast. Um, thanks for having me. Um, so you've just introduced me. Yeah, my name's Anika, and I do run a company called Date Mussy, and I also get known as Date Mussy now. So I don't know if that's a good thing or a bad thing. Um, people do um, are surprised when they see me because I don't look like a typical Mussy with a bun in my hair. Um, so I think that's a, probably a good thing. Um, but um, yeah, I run a dating company called Date Mussy, and I basically want to put the fun back into dating. Um, that's my aim and that's my goal. And I think I have kind of achieved that in the last couple of years. Um, so, yeah, I run dating events for Hindu and Sikh professionals in the UK who want to meet for love or for friendship. Um, and I run a lot of team-based activities as well. So that's the difference to my events. They're not speed dating. They are team-based activities uh, where people can kind of meet and show off their personality, really. So, um that's me in a nutshell but I can obviously tell you a lot more if you want to know more no we would definitely love to know more uh when we found out about your website and your business that you run obviously it's very unique it's very different it's not anything it's not nothing like anything I've seen before so I'm curious to know what made you want to take this this approach of you know this unique way of getting people to meet each other So my background is um, events. I've been in events for 17 years now. So um, again, when you see me, I don't look like that. I look like a 12 year old. But trust me, I'm a woman (laughs) in my 30s. And um, I understand dating and I understand how difficult it is. So like I said, 17 years, I've been in event management. um, And I used to specialize a lot in corporate events. But one of my specialities okay. was team building. So I used yeah. to do a lot of team building um, events for corporate clients. So, you know, especially where you've got like two, 300 people, employees that need to mix and you need to boost the morale in the office. So I used to organize a lot of team building events for those clients. And so it's through those events I used to see how people's characteristics would change, their personality would come out. You know, you've got people on two different floors that don't really interact Um, But you give them an activity and suddenly that's it. The morale is really high in the office. Um, You know, they they learn to work together. Their personality comes out. Um, And so it's all through that. I used to see all of the characteristics come out. And I thought, well, this concept could work for single people. Now, bear in mind, I've been running events for 17 years. But this concept of mine came to me 13 years ago. Um, Wow. Yeah. So um, I saw the impact that activities had. Um, And I thought this could work really well for single people. Throw an activity in the mix. Now, obviously, they've all got something in common that they are single, similar to when you're in a work environment, you've all got the business in common. But throw an activity in and suddenly people have got a distraction and they just get involved with what's happening. You start working together and you see what people are like. You see people's competitive side. Um, So I decided to run two tester events 13 years ago, um, a bowling and a golf day. And they worked really, really well. And I could see that the concept worked. I thought, right, brilliant. I found a formula that could work. Um, Then um, at the time, I got got engaged. My husband or my partner at the time proposed to me. And so commitments took over. And so I couldn't run any more events. But I knew that the concept worked. And then six years ago, I decided to do something about it because – more and more people that I was surrounded by friends and family were really really struggling to meet their match so online had taken over um, and this is in 2014 Um, it was quite prominent Um, speed dating was around 
but activities weren't. So I decided, right, I'm going to do something and I'm going to launch um, Date Mussy, um, the company, and I'll explain the name in a moment, in a minute where it came from. Um, yeah. And um, I wanted to make dating more fun because I felt like all it was was just interview questions and pressure um, building up from people. And people weren't actually seeing people's personality coming out through the dating process. And there were so many horror stories. So I decided, right, I'm going to run dating events, but I'm going to run team-based, activity-based events where people can get involved, have fun, see each other's personality. And in the process, sparks will fly and you'll kind of be attracted to somebody through their confidence and their personality coming out. Um, And so, yeah, I literally started that six years ago and um, happy to say that since then we've had six weddings, two babies, 450 couples matched and... um, yeah, we've managed to put the fun back into dating. So I'm very, very happy I've been able to do that. But I didn't expect to do that, but I'm glad I did. <laughs> do you get invited to any of these weddings? I do. <laughs> um, I've been invited to a few. Um, some have told me about it, but then have said um, that, you know, we'd love to invite you, but we haven't told anyone we met through an event. We told everyone we met through a friend. Um, so it might be a bit awkward. And that's the challenge that I find with dating these days, that everybody needs a bit of guidance, a bit of help, but people don't want to shout about where they seek that help from. Um, and it's a shame from my, my perspective, obviously I'm helping people and I, you know, I can't shout about it or um, I have to getting testimonials with names and photographs is really, really big challenge uh, for anyone within dating really sometimes because people, especially in the Asian culture, we want to keep it hush hush that we needed to find, we needed help to find our partner. There's still a massive stigma attached to it, which I'm hoping will change in the next five years, hopefully. Um, but yeah, that's the challenge that I have with the company that um, whilst I've had all these weddings, I probably have had, there's probably been even more couples out there, but it's just, they haven't come forward um, uh, because it's just easier to, um, you know, say that we met through a mutual friend. Um, and also the other challenge I have is obviously once I've matched people, I come out of the equation. So you very rarely go back to the person that's helped you. It's a bit like when you're, when you, somebody's placed you in a job, you very rarely go back to the recruiter to say, thanks very much. You know, it's worked out really well. I've been with the company two years now. You just, yeah. you know, it is that they've done their part and they've come out of the equation. Um, so yeah, that's the, um, the downside of having a dating business, but the reward is absolutely amazing when you know that it has worked um and you know obviously we're talking about weddings but for me I don't see that as the end goal I right now I just want to create opportunities for people to meet because it's so difficult and if they can if that can transpire into a relationship that's all the more better rather than you know seeing the end goal as weddings and marriages and things like that I I right now I just want to give people the confidence to date because I think it's really taken its toll on people what do you think are the challenges that Asian people between the ages of like 20 to 40 face that you've experienced? Um, I think obviously interracial relationships are cha- um, are on, you know, on the rise now. And that's mainly because it's coming that, you know, you meet through work and you're not always going to be working in an Asian, predominantly Asian environment. Um, but because community events have decreased so much in the last decade, we don't have any opportunities at all to meet anyone. Um, but yet we've been brought up for, you know, knowing that we should marry somebody within our own culture or it'd be a preference. So when you've been told that for 20 odd years, no matter, no matter how much you try, it's kind of embedded in you and you don't want to disappoint um, your parents and marry out of that. But when there's no opportunities to meet, it's very, very difficult 
um, for our generation to carry on those cultural beliefs that we have or that are instilled in us. Um, so I think that's the biggest challenge right now. Um, and there's no, when I say opportunities, we don't meet in bars anymore. We don't have social functions. Everything seems to be very much, um, you know, the only social functions we did really have were weddings. And that's even been put on hold for this year as well. Um, so there's no real cultural elements for us to engage and meet people. Um, and, you know, even we, we still want to meet our own kind. So we want to meet a Hindu person or a Sikh person. Sometimes we're open to kind of crossing over. But realistically, when you've been told for so long that or you've seen yourself that you want to have that in a partner, it's hard to kind of move out of that. Yeah, definitely. Especially when your parents set these expectations for you and they say, you know, um, this is what I would sort of expect of you to find your partner sort of thing. And I, me and Harminder have been, so we've experienced that in our lifetime. And I, I think it puts a, a sense of pressure on onto you that, you know, you have to find a Hindu person or a Sikh person. And then they'll, yeah, and definitely. Then also, there's so many other things as well as oh, they have to be a certain way. They have to have to look a certain way. They have to have certain uh, ideologies. Yeah, yeah. So all of those pressures, you know, they are they're, they're a constant dialogue that we've been hearing for so many years. So it's very hard to avoid it. And then when you do step out and meet somebody, you know, like I said, when you meet somebody through work or some, uh, you know, through a mutual friend and stuff like that. Um, you're naturally going to click because you're not expecting that to actually turn into a relationship, but it obviously does. And then the challenge comes, like, how far do you take this? Do you take this home now to your parents? And what I've found is that now with interracial relationships, they are on the rise and parents, whilst we feel like we're disappointing them, I think parents are slowly starting to find that the dating culture is quite difficult. Um, so when we do come home and say we've met somebody, they are, there's a bit of relief. They're like, oh, thank God they've only found somebody. We didn't have to do it for them. Um, and, there, you know, there is a bit of adaptation eventually, but I think it's still a very, very tough road in the initial stages to say, well, actually, I've met somebody. They're not of the same faith. Um, but also, I think we need to be strong as a couple as well and make sure that it works for us before we take it to the parents because, you know, they will be looking for faults. Um, so you need, you know, as a couple, you need to be solid and say that, right, we can work through this and um, we're willing to take on, you know, there will be some adaptation from both sides. So if we're, you're willing to compromise and, you know, embrace both cultures, then I would say, you know, go ahead and follow your heart. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. We've noticed that there's, uh, on your website, you have two set, two different, when you run events, you have two sets of groups you have 25 to 35 and 35 and above do you notice any difference in mentality or, or do you think both groups are quite similar um when you run i definitely see the difference so the recent event i ran so i did a friends quiz um virtually and that was for two different age groups so 25 to 35 and then the second group was 35 to 45 um and the mindset is very very different so i ran the same exactly the same event but you could see the behavior changes between the two age groups so the younger age group were kind of willing to make a fool of themselves um weren't taking things too seriously um you know were equally having banter with each other and things like that and the vibe was very very high um and then the older category seemed a bit more 
um what's the what's the easiest way to say this um they were still getting involved they were still having fun but there was still a bit of reluctancy there because they didn't want to feel like making a fool of themselves um they weren't unsure and also the older you get as well the sometimes you end up taking a longer period out of dating as well so sometimes you could have come out from a bad breakup a divorce you could be a single parent so it's taking a lot to be putting yourself out there and to be mixing and mingling so your guard is naturally a lot higher um and there's less you're willing to compromise and you also can get put off very quickly as well because i think by that stage you are kind of mentally looking for a tick you had that tick list in your head still and you're not willing to compromise on a certain things whether it's location dietaries all sorts of things or you know whether somebody what their circumstances are whereas when you're younger I think you can adapt a little bit more your mindset is a bit like okay fair enough my job could move or my we could do things differently um so yeah I do see the difference um between um the two age groups and I myself as a host I have to my personality changes between the events as well so I have to be very mindful of who I'm dealing with how they are they're very nervous as well um so I work a lot more with the older category sometimes to kind of get them out of their shell and mingling and things like that whereas the younger category sometimes I find I can kind of leave them to it um so yeah you know it's it's, um it's interesting I I'm called date mussy but I actually end up doing date coaching and doing date everything where I become date mum as well sometimes (laughs) so uh, then I wear so many different hats when I'm uh, running an event or even before and after really so um I'm a jack of all trades (laughs) do you think it's uh, it's harder in the older category than do you think that if they're older then there are certain challenges that, that that you face in terms of helping them find someone as you mentioned there's like a they have a certain checklist in the head how how would you try to unlock it if you could I try to tell people that I think so if I take the example of like women in their mid-30s going into their 40s most women are pretty much very very independent they may be living on their own as well so that mindset has changed as an independent woman you've your career focused you you know you, you own your own money you do everything for yourself so it takes somebody absolutely extraordinary to come along and sweep you off your feet and for you to allow space for that person in your life as well and a lot of people miss that part they think right I'm looking for somebody but actually am I have I actually got the capacity to allow them into my life and you know simple things like even if they were out and about and reading a map they know how to do it so I don't need a man to do it but you know they could see that as an offense rather than actually this is just a a trait that he's trying to help out and that's what's happened so the you know even with the men as well like I find that the older men still want younger women and that's mainly and it sounds awful but the reason being is because they still want to start a family and so they want a young woman they want somebody who's going to be able to bear children when you've got somebody in their 40s and you a 40 year old man who wants who you think would be compatible with a 35 or 38 year old woman they actually are put off by that sometimes and say actually no I want a 32 year old but the 32 year old girl doesn't want a 40 year old man they want somebody who's 35 so these are all the challenges that I have as well that you know people are looking for families people are looking for companionship um you know everyone's at different different paces um and sometimes it doesn't work you know it's trying to match people or match people's mindsets according to what's actually happening um so yeah that's the, the challenges i have with the older category uh, when i'm working with them that there is a lot more there's a lot more to a lot more hurdles to go over should i say yeah definitely and you know what that reminds me of uh, have you seen uh, indian matchmaking 
I'm, I'm sure you have. I have, yeah. And it's like, obviously, <laughs> it's like some of the people you see there that, that are obviously older and they're just as, this is so much more strict with what things they want. And I feel like, personally, I feel like if you want to be with someone, if you're looking for a partner and if you want to make things work with that partner, you have to be willing to compromise. Compromise is the one thing that makes relationships successful. Compromise is what takes you from one stage of, let's say, you're dating to, okay, we're in a serious relationship now. Or if you're in a serious relationship, compromise is what will take you to marriage. And you, you, you've spent let's say someone let's say people have been two people have been doing for five years for example you're thinking about settling down with that person you think about marrying that person and you think you know i'm gonna spend the rest of my life with this person you know i don't like the way they tie their shoes or i don't like the way they you know their dress sense for example or i don't like this or i don't like that but those might be one or two things i don't like but there's like a hundred things that i do like about that person so then am i willing to for let go of those things or like you know maybe hope that there will be a change that comes around or whatever it is and just sort of make do with it and if you if the answer to that is yes and if two people are willing to make it work then i think uh, compromise is a big element of of really like clicking but for the for them to, to click basically and yeah, I definitely agree. Um, I mean, I'm married, and so I know the art of compromise um, is very, you know, very important when it comes to relationship. Um, and um, you know, going back to what you were saying about um, compromises people have to make, I had one couple who actually did get married, and um, funny enough, they met a couple of years ago, and they they dated, but there were so many things that didn't work for them, or they weren't willing to compromise on. Then they obviously split up and they dated other people and then they reconnected at my event. And all the things that they weren't willing to compromise on suddenly became things they could compromise on. So things like dietaries, location, um, you know, so she was vegetarian, he ate meat. That was a deal breaker at one point. But now after dating a few other people, they realize actually this isn't such a big thing. I can work around it. Maybe you eat outside, you don't eat in the house and things like that. So they worked around it and they actually worked out and were the perfect match and they got married. Um, so I was really happy to see that actually, you know, they'd worked through their issues. They'd figured out that the, the small things or, you know, I, I say small things, but obviously to some people it can be quite a big thing. But I myself, I'm a, you know, I'm a woman and I eat meat and my husband's vegetarian. And so that's, a you know, when when that happened, people were like, oh, God, so you're going to change and you're going to give up and you're going to do things, you know, for your husband. And I'm like, well, actually, no, as a couple, we've decided that this is that I will carry on eating because I have been eating since while I've been dating him. So why should I suddenly have to change? And that's not me being, you know, a strong woman, strong opinionated woman, but these are the sort of things that you as a couple have to make sure that you are on par with each other. So he doesn't want me to change. And he knows those are elements about me that I like and that make me who I am. Um, but you know, uh, there's other things within the marriage that I've had to compromise on and vice versa and stuff like that. So as long as you're willing to have that dialogue and be open with each other, you can make a relationship work. But what I find is now through the events and even people that I speak to, people lay their cards out too early on things that they're not willing to <laughs> compromise on. But you don't know that until you get into a relationship. So somebody could be like, right, I only want to meet somebody in London. I do not want to meet somebody from Leicester. How do you know that? And why, why is it suddenly assumed that if you meet somebody from Leicester, you're going to have to move? 
if anything, this pandemic has shown us that you can actually have long distance relationships. Um, you can connect with anyone all around the world. You can make it work if it's if it is right for you both. But, you know, why would you cast somebody off straight away on location or dietaries? You know, when these are conversations you need to have, you're not going to be able to decide that in a split second when you meet somebody at an event or on a dating app as well. So I find that people have got too much of a tick, tick list this these days, which is also hindering their chances of meeting anyone because it's adding even more pressure to them. And they're making too many snap decisions without actually exploring them with that person and having a proper conversation rather than just a very quick five minute conversation at an event where you're meeting multiple different people and you'll just move on. Um, so that is one of the things I would say to people that one of the pieces of advice I would say is ditch the tick list. I did that with my husband. He's the complete opposite of who I, who I should be matched with if we were on a dating app, but we complement each other and we are polar opposites, but we balance each other out and, if I'd met him on a dating app, there's no way I would have matched. <laughs> Literally, I say that. And that's what I'm saying. And I would that's the advice I give to people is that, you know, we go looking. One of the other things I find is that we always go looking for somebody who's very similar to us. So our personality, if we're a very loud, bubbly person, we go looking for that. But what you find is that when you've got two loud people, you actually ba- you don't balance each other out. You actually compete for yeah. attention. And one person ends up backing down and the compromise will turn into resentment. So sometimes it is better to actually meet an opposite because you will eventually balance each other out and complement each other. And your relationship will be a lot more sound rather than trying to battle for each other's attention. And then the mind games play start playing as well. So yeah, you just there said- you go. No, that's advice. That is absolutely true. Like I could not relate to that more. <laughs> you know, you end up going down this like spiral of like just negativity, and you know, then it it just becomes so bad, and you you get to a point where the two people you you know you're not even talking to one another, and you just want to make make sure the other person knows how upset you are or how how much they upset you or whatever. Um, I actually dated someone who was a, ve- a full-on vegetarian and I eat meat and she had mm. a problem with that and she was like I don't see myself see she's told me very early on she's like, I don't see myself settling down with someone who eats meat and I was like okay all right cool like I've been eating meat my whole life and uh, see the difference was mm. I as much as I love meat like because I, I at that time I was like oh yeah this could be the one I was willing to sort of cut down meat. And even the, the fact I was thinking to do that is a big deal. You can ask all my friends. Everyone knows I love eating meat. Yeah. Um, but the fact I was willing to do that shows that I was willing to make that compromise. I was willing to meet halfway and start working towards something or, or a place where we both could be happy with each other and be like, you know what, actually, I know you can't go the whole way, but the fact that you're willing to go halfway and then I can... Like, just the idea of meeting halfway even, I think is really nice. Um but she was very like, no, it's either no meat or it's, it's either meat. Literally, she was like, oh, you have to choose between me or meat, you know. Like, and I was like, I've oh, never, <laughs> what, what is this? Like, I've never been in a position like this. Um, and another thing is, uh, going off what you said uh, about, you know, other people's response to you compromising for your partner it can be so negative sometimes like i don't know if it's just me but i've i've yeah. noticed so much in society but you know it could be your family it could be your friends it could just be anyone mm-hmm. it could be like oh you know 
you're letting her tell you to do this and you're just going to do it. And it's like, well, yeah, like I, I, I don't, if I don't personally mind it, then you shouldn't have a problem with it. It's, it's, it's that kind of situation. Why is there such a, um, not, not all the time, but I, I feel like there can be a negative connotation to it or negative response to two people wanting to make things work. And if someone's compromising, they'll be like, oh, you're letting that person change you. Oh, you know, you, they should love you for who you are sort of thing. And it's like, yeah, but you know, does, does that, do you get that a lot? Yeah, I, I mean, in my marriage, I get that a lot um, in terms of obviously, because going back to the dietaries is one thing, um, you know, people still are surprised when they see me at weddings and they're like, oh my gosh, she's eating meat. So it's like, do your, does your husband know? And I'm like, well, of course he does. He's standing right <laughs> over there. But it's, um, but that is the expectation. Also, I think because of the Asian culture, it's like, right, she's a woman. She will have to be the one that compromises on everything. Well, no, it's not. I mean, even for myself, like I run, I have my own business. Um, my husband works um, and people find it very strange that I, you know, they're like, oh, you're a woman and you've got your own business. Is your husband OK with that? Well, if, like, what, what, if he had his own business, would you ask me if I was OK with him having a, his own business? No, you wouldn't. So why is it any different? Um so I do feel like there is a massive stigma when it comes to relationships and compromises each one has to make. Um, and, you know, like I said, it is about it is about the two individuals. You've got to know what's going to work for you. Um, and, you know, like I said, for me, I, I eat meat, but I'm married into a very strict vegetarian family. And so people were quite surprised when I when I was getting married. They're like, how are you going to deal with this? You know, you eat meat. But I was like, well, yes, I do. And I've had, you know, I've had honest conversations with my in-laws and I respect their wishes and I don't eat in front of them. And that but they're fully aware of that I do. Um, and it's a part of me. And I've said to them that it's between me and my husband. He's happy with me eating. And, um, you know, whilst I'm married into your family, I respect your rules and traditions. So therefore, I won't eat in front of you. Um, and that's fine. So that is the compromise that I had to make. But that's between me and my family and um that's up to me to make it shouldn't be about other people's um opinions and viewpoints that should change what i do um so i think yeah they you know like i said marriage is about compromise relationships are all about a compromise um and i think you have to be open to if you're going to be if you're open to the idea of dating and getting into a serious relationship these are conversations you need to have with yourself first not even with your partner what are you willing to compromise on? Um, you know, because it could be a deal breaker that actually means that the relationship ends and it doesn't need to be that case. It, you know, there's so many couples out there who are t going through so many other struggles that when it comes down to something as like dietaries or location, if it's for the better for the, com for the couple, then, you know, you can work through it. So, yeah. That's why that's what I think when it comes to compromise that you do need to do it, and there's an art to it as well. <laughs> do you feel like this, um, as you mentioned, like there's relationships as well that they need to compromise? But do you feel like it stems from the family's influence on them as well? Because they they may have told the person, okay, you need to, you know, have this checklist sort of thing. Mm -hmm. it kind of, you know, it it almost a chart. So the, the the, the son or the daughter, whatever, will have the checklist because of their parents. And how do you like, how do you break that attachment then from the parents mm. to the child in terms of not wanting them to have so many checklists in their head? Like even I have checklists, but that's not my own checklist. Yeah. My parents' checklist. Yeah. Like it's a struggle that we all go through. 
Well, I think this is one of the things that I'm trying to educate my audience with, that we need to start having honest conversations with our parents. Um, for so long, we've been taught not, you know, we, we're not allowed to date. It's like you're forbidden to date, but you're, sadly, you're, you're, you're meant to know how to date. Um, and we need to start telling our parents that how difficult dating has become for us. So therefore, you know, the, the pressures and um, uh, crush, pressures and the dialogues that I was saying that we're having with our family, if they know that this is what, you know, we're trying to find to that, so that they can have their tick list ticked and then you've got your tick list lit, ticked. Sorry, there's a bit of a, you know, my words are getting jumbled over there. But you know what I mean? In terms of there's too many tick lists being <laughs> ticked, um, parents... Um, and then you've got to then explain to your parents that if I try and do all of these 10 tick lists, am I going to find somebody? No. So you, we need to start having open conversations with our parents and telling them that, look, these are challenges that when it comes to dating. So when I do find somebody, um, I need to make this work for us, not for the society and not for you guys to feel that you can like brag about our relationship and things like that. It's got to work for us. And I think because our parents are now start, starting to see it because obviously, you know, we have, we're living with them and we've been single for many years now as well. The criteria has changed before it was very, very strict. Now it's just like, just find anyone and just get married. And that's where the frustration comes with our generation thing that why couldn't you just give me that freedom earlier? Um, because I could have met so many other people before this, but I said no to them because I didn't want to disappoint you. And now that I've been single for four or five years, now you're saying it's fine, just find yeah. anyone. Um, and then we ourselves, then that means that we start kind of like undermining who we want as well. Um, so definitely during lockdown, while we are spending more and more time at our, with our parents, depending on how you feel, I would say even consider showing them your dating apps and showing them how it works and say this is how we have to meet now and almost like a day in a life of dating and let them see how difficult it is how much judgment there is out there how what the criteria is that when you're filtering on the apps as well and then uh, then have a conversation with them after and just say now do you see how difficult it is for us to meet somebody and then on top of that, I have to get, the, they have to be this, they have to be this tall, they have to be this weight, they've got to be this fairness, they've got to be this. How am I possibly meant to meet somebody? If they could actually see a day in a life of dating, I think they would kind of back down a little bit and be, I think your happiness would actually be more prominent than ticking a box in society. Definitely. What are some of the craziest like checklists you've heard from people? Um, I get, I mean, dietary is a big one. Profession is always a big one. I only want doctors. I only want lawyers. I only want this. Um, uh, they've got to be, they've got to be adaptable. They've got to fit in with our family. They've got to be, they've got to be nice. They've got to be uh, shy, but they've got to be, um, friendly. And they've got, there's just too many criteria. How are you going to know that without getting to know somebody that you never write this on a profile, um, what you're like. Um, so I think, I speak to a lot of parents and the parents mindset is very much has to be in a good job, has to be earning their own money, has to have lived this in this location and things like that. Um, and I, the biggest question I have to ask when I'm speaking to parents is actually, do you even know if your son or daughter is single? Because nine towns out of 10, they're not, they're already dating somebody that they just haven't told you that about is it. So true. <laughs> that is, it happens a lot in like Asian culture. I feel like. Yeah. Again, because we're told not to date and we're not 
Um, so we hide it from our parents until we're ready to actually take a relationship home. Because again, in this Asian culture, we're not allowed to have a couple of relationships before marriage. You know, it is a trial and error process, but we're not allowed to go through that. Um, it should be that you just meet one person and that is it, you're fixed for life. Um, and that's not the way dating happens at all. Now you have to go through experiences to know what you want and you as a character change so much throughout the experience as well. So what you wanted two years ago is completely different to what you want now. Yeah, true. Uh, and so going off of that, do you think that the recent pandemic that we've been through has pe- made people more interested in dating or people are looking at dating now and be like, you know what, I need to start looking for someone now? Yes and no. So I think what's happened is um, it's flared up a lot of feelings and emotions around dating. So an example I'll give you, the first lockdown we had back in March, um, my audience was pretty much split. So half decided, right, this is a good time to take a dating break because it's quite draining um, and I'm not getting anywhere. And normally to take a dating break, you'd only really take a break if you've come out of a relationship or a bad breakup. Um, and you need to then take that time to work on yourself. The pandemic hit and it was like, right, okay, I've now been given an excuse to take a break. I'm going to take that and I'm going to work on myself. The other half of my audience kind of jumped on the bandwagon and decided to virtual date. And if they were comfortable in that situation for their work, um, you know, if if their work had converted to online um, and they were comfortable having video dates and stuff like that, they were that half kind of jumped onto virtual dating and were on the apps and really, really busy. Um, So the difficulty I had in the beginning was obviously trying to tailor my message towards both my audience that were split. But those that took a break also took a break thinking that, oh, don't worry, it's only three months. This will kind of blow over by summer. We're now eight months into it. And by, by the second lockdown, I spoke to my audience, which I'm always doing anyway. And I asked them how they're feeling about dating. And if they most of them in the first lockdown didn't want to try virtual dating or were completely terrified at the idea of trying virtual dating. Eight months down the line, they were willing to try it because now they realize that's the only option to actually meet anybody. Um, And also, I think after being at home eight months with family, um, like it flared up a lot more emotions as to what you wanted as in life who was important, what was important. So if you were ready for a relationship, I think those eight months kind of, you had time to reflect on that. Um, And also I think because obviously it's being eight months, it's now going into the new year. People are now seeing it as I've just wasted a whole year being single. I don't want to be in the same predicament next year. So I feel the desperation to meet somebody has heightened a lot more through this pandemic. Um, And the urgency to meet somebody is there. So my fear is the fact that if you are on dating apps and things like that at the moment, it's a lot of people are out there out of desperation, not because they actually want to meet, that they want to engage with somebody. It's just like, I need to meet somebody. I need to meet somebody. So then when you meet somebody, you're not actually meeting for the right reasons. It's actually, you know, again, going back to a tick list, it's just, I need to tick that I'm doing something and I'm doing something about it right now. Um, and that's my fear that, you know, it'll be false relationships or false intimacy for a very short time and it'll fizzle out very quickly. Definitely. So going off of that, <laughs> do we think that could be one of the issues that conventional dating apps, dating apps have uh, compared to, let's say, your business where maybe the people's intentions are made clear and the people that are there are 
most likely to be a lot more serious and a lot more down for actual serious dating rather than, you know, people, everyone's probably just going on Twitter and Bumble right now and just swiping, 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 you know, and just trying to just find people to speak to just for the sake of it, literally, like you said, just to make, just to give them that sort of satisfaction in the mind that, oh yeah, I'm speaking to someone right now, I'm talking to someone right now. Um, and it gives them that... Um, a secure a sense of security but when it really comes down to it and the per- other person that they're talking to they want to meet up and stuff they're like actually i don't know if i would you know so do you feel like that could, that could that's one of the issues um with, with conventional dating apps so if there are any other issues uh, that you may uh sort of be aware of as well yeah so i think um so you obviously mentioned the events that I run. So one of the perks of going to an event, and this isn't me being biased to my events, but what is what I see is that people are more committed. You've obviously got to pay a ticket to price to go to an event. So there's already that inv- money investment. You know, the people that are turning up are going to be serious about dating. You've got, you've allocated that time when you could run events before you'd get dressed up, you'd travel for them. So there's all that level of commitment. And also you were just putting yourself out there. It's taking, it's a bigger step. So people are more serious. And you know that when you're meeting somebody at the event, firstly, you're meeting face to face. You get to see whether someone's genuine. You, you know, within three seconds, if you like someone, Somebody or not and just purely from body sure. language as well so there's so many perks to meeting somebody face to face on the apps obviously I'm not knocking apps at all because they are the only real way people are feeling connected right now but dating apps have been designed to be addictive and to keep you on there they are designed to also make money out of you so through advertising through promotions and other features as well so they want to keep you scrolling for hours and hours um And it's funny that you can actually end up viewing 140 profiles in a day. An average app user will view 140, if not more, during the lockdown because we've got more time. And what happens is your mindset starts to change. So it's called rejection mindset, that you end up scrolling for so long and you reject, reject, reject. And so your brain starts to think that this is a normal reaction to dating, rejection, rejection, or you're making so much judgment, obviously, because you're swiping and saying, no, this isn't somebody for me. And then you become disheartened with the whole dating app culture because you think, well, there's no one out there for me or no, but I'm not getting any responses and things like that. So you start feeling bad about yourself thinking I'll never meet anybody online. And then the natural reaction is to delete the app, come off it and hate the whole dating process and think, right, dating's just not for me. Um, and then obviously there are con- conventional other ways of like events or matchmaking, things like that. But the easy access right now is dating apps. It's free. It's cost effective. Um, and it's a bit like social media. We just have it and it's part of our daily routine. But not many messages actually transpire into either face to face meetup or anything else. Like there is pretty much half the messages that get sent on dating apps don't ever get a reply. Um, and the reason that's bef- that happens is also this sounds a bit strange but if you're going to meet somebody in the bar and somebody's quite attractive and you are attracted to that person there is that kind of fear of rejection of you actually going and approaching them you wouldn't have the guts to approach somebody who you feel you're kind of punching above your weight right on a dating app suddenly that fear of rejection is a lot lower. So you actually will message somebody who you find a lot more attractive than who you that you may be and they may not respond. So that's half the message is gone. And you that kind of disheartens you a little bit as well. But for some reason, we've got this fear factor of 
behind a screen, we can do anything. We're suddenly, you know, it's okay to approach somebody. It's okay to message somebody and things like that. But the responses are never good. And also I see a lot of people who just message, hey, how are you doing? Or hi. That's never going to get you anywhere. Even for myself, I get so many DMs from Instagram or Facebook. Hey, how are you doing? I'm not going to respond because there's nothing for me to respond. Whereas if you've taken the time to actually look at my profile or even in a dating environment, you look at somebody's profile and you tailorize your message to say, hey, I saw that you went to Japan. I've been or I'm looking to go. You've got an opening line and you've actually shown a bit of interest and that you've actually wanted to look at that profile. And it's not just a swiping mechanism that you've thought, yeah, okay, I like the look of that. I'm going to say yes to that. So there's a bit of effort. And I think that's what's happening with dating culture. Dating app culture has become very, very casual. um, And people don't treat each other like humans. They treat each other like users. (laughs) So it's very easier. It's true. It's very easy to disregard somebody's feelings and not respond to a message, go back to them, uh, treat them with any kind of dignity. It's all judgment. Um, And that's what I fear, um, you know, when you are on the apps. I'm not saying that I I do sound very negative towards the apps. I do know that they work for a lot of people as well. Um, But the main thing I find with dating apps is people don't know the real reason that they're actually on them. It sounds really crazy, but if you question yourself, why are you on the app? The knee-jerk reaction is to say, I want to find love or secretly I'm looking for a hookup. Okay, those are the two things. But if you delve a lot deeper, you'll find that actually people are on the apps purely out of trying to escape loneliness, uh, trying to escape boredom as well. And obviously people living at home with their families, it's just to to know that they're interacting and they're speaking to other people and they're kind of getting a little bit of self-gratification from it as well, knowing that, right, I'm getting a little bit of a hit, somebody's seen my profile, (laughs) those sort of things. But realistically, if you're not a hundred percent invested in the apps, you're not going to get your you're not going to get results, um, and therefore there is a lot of time wasters on the apps right now. There's also a lot of married people on the apps as well, so you have to. Be yeah. yeah, I definitely, I definitely agree with you there, and what the points you've said, especially um, like the apps that, you, uh, that you've said, like in a way that they're kind of tailored to kind of you know create you like a dopamine hit every time you get a match. Like you're almost like, oh wow, I've got a match. Then you start thinking, you, know, you get such a like a quick rush to your brain, thinking who they are, this and that, and like, mm-hmm. and like, I think initially, like the apps were like, okay, at its core, it's kind of it, it works to an extent, but I feel like now it's become a, a multi-billion-pound-dollar platform where it's, you know, you have, you know, it's, if you want to find love, if you're not having success finding love in the, the normal version, then you're thinking, well, if I'm not finding love, then maybe I should like get the upgraded like gold <laughs> option or like the premium membership. Cause I'm thinking, crap, like I can't find anyone like uh, matching. I'm not doing anything. Like maybe I should just download the premium option, like pay like 10, 20 pounds that, you know, my profile will show up more often. Maybe that that would work, but not actually realizing maybe it's because some of the messages you say are not good enough or mm. maybe you're not taking the most, you know, the, the best pictures of yourself in terms of maybe your, your pictures, they can't really see your face properly or, you know, this, I feel like apps are kind of tailored towards, you have to fit a specific model of how you should be. Like in the past, and then me and you discussed this for years ago in terms of, okay, you, you have, you know, buy, you have to say certain things and in your pictures, you, you want this picture, you want that picture because, you know, you're trying to put the best version of yourself out there, but you're also kind of going with the norms of what like, 
is kind of social right now mm-hmm. i feel yeah like you can't really be generally yourself really you, you know if you want to say if someone is not good at taking photos they try to upload photos and they show their friend or what do you think they're like, oh, oh, rubbish photos what was that like you're thinking, well, that's the best I could do. No, no, no. You need to put a suit on. Think, you need to take a picture with the dog. Yeah, think, yeah. If you don't have a dog picture, yeah. you're not getting any matches. <laughs> but the dog I'm sorry, picture. you're not. Any matches, yeah. no. Like, you know, animal, maybe a little baby as well to be there. Your niece and nephew. You know. <laughs> you know, yeah, nephew you can be in there. Just show some compassion. <laughs> like, I feel like the services that you provide are very different because you're, you're, you're automatically you pay, placing people in the room would hopefully they have a similar goal and what they want to achieve as well yes um in terms of dating stuff yeah i was gonna say going to going back to the dating apps you can make them work for you but there are a lot of things there's a few things that you can do um to make them work so going back to the profile photos um don't take photos in a mirror because it's just all you're doing is you're not even looking at the camera. You're just looking at the camera in your phone in the mirror. So no one actually gets to see you. But some a lot of people tend to do that. So take a good, clean, high resolution photo if you can. Everyone's got decent cameras these days. Ask somebody to take a photo of you. Don't you know if you can avoid taking a selfie, um, which is going to be pixelated. Don't do that. Um, but also when I was saying about messages as well, when you are messaging somebody, try and personalize it, include their name. It's a simple thing, but include their name in the message. So it looks like you've actually messaged them and you haven't copied and pasted it to several different other people. And if you are replying to messages as well, try and reply within 24 hours and it avoids the mind games. There's no, seriously, the, the, the whole rule of waiting for three days and playing hard to get, that's gone out of the rule books. Like the rom-coms that used to teach us and Bollywood films do not teach us how to fall in love. It's completely changed in, you know, nowadays. Um, so I would say now, because the cra- places are so crowded in terms of dating apps and people are speaking to multiple people, if you're having a vibe with somebody, don't, hang around and think, oh, I don't want to show my feelings too quickly. Just say, I, I think we're getting on really well. I'm really loving this vibe. How about we move this conversation offline or video chat? Most of the apps have now increased, have included video chat if you don't feel like giving your number. But move the conversation off the app and not into another text conversation or WhatsApp conversation. Move it to a phone call. And that way you can kind of gauge whether that vibe is still there or, you know, eliminate them and think, right, okay, maybe it was just, you know, a fun bit of flirting and that's it really but you need to be kind of make more quicker decisions but don't disregard people that's what I'm, I'm not just saying disregard someone I'm just saying move things off the apps because the 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 habit people have is that oh I'll just carry on messaging 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 three weeks into it you're still messaging that's never going to transpire into a first date because you've already made expectations, you've already made judgment, you've probably already scoped them all out on Facebook and Instagram and made up your own assumptions about them that you're already kind of sabotaging the relationship from the get-go. So those are the things I would say. But also a simple thing is when you're having a conversation with somebody, if you find that you're not getting anything back from them, and when I say that, it's like if somebody's always instigating the questions and not asking you anything, that's kind of a red flag as well that you know they're not really interesting interested in you they're just kind of out of boredom but you can turn the conversation around very quickly so it's a simple question how about you or what about you so it could be I've been to I went to Dubai last Christmas um, and that was my last holiday before lockdown it was amazing what about you you don't have to ask a question you're just saying what about you but you're actually instigating them to reply back to you whereas if you just said I went to Dubai and I had a great time 
what is there left to reply to? So these are little things that people can do to make your experience a lot better when you are online and talking to people. But just be mindful that dating apps have been created for ease. And um, it is, like I said, I'm not knocking it, but I do find it is the lazy approach to dating. It's a tick list in our mind that, yes, we're doing something about dating, but we're never fully present in when we are on the dating apps. We tend to be, you know, using them when we're con- commuting to work when we could work or, you know, half the time people are on the toilets using the apps as well. So, you know, you're not really in a better place to be messaging somebody. Yep. I pulled it out. I know it happens. Don't worry. Um, But it's just, um, you know, if you allocated an hour a day and said, right, I'm only going to go on the app app between nine and 10 before going to bed and replied to messages, then you would probably have a better chance of going further with dating apps because you're actually invested in that time and you're replying and you're present you're not distracted and watching the match in the background or you know your mum's asking you something else while you're trying to reply and you know it's a flippant reply that you kind of give so um I would say those are little things that can help you but um as a generation we are pretty much a look down generation and our social skills are lacking as it is so um we uh you know, it is quite difficult to converse these days and we converse the way we message each other. Um, but when it comes to dating, there is certain things people are looking for, even grammar and things like that. People pull each other yeah, up. On. Trust. So a lot of judgment on profiles when people are like, oh, he didn't use a comma or a full stop. He started that with a capital letter. It doesn't require that. It's like, oh my gosh, just see the person for who they are. Don't judge their, you know, grammar and things like that. But people do do that. Um, so there's a lot of judgment out there. Yeah, I, I find that people can be, uh, especially, people can be I feel like this is more girls than guys. I feel like, let's say, for example, you're talking to a, a girl and you're having a good conversation for her, with her for, let's say, three days. And three days have gone by, four days have gone by, whatever. Maybe even two days. The conversation's flowing great. And you think, you know what, I want to move this conversation elsewhere. And you try asking for the number, let's say within three or four days, and they're like, oh, no, sorry, I think this is too soon. This is too early to give you my number, you know? And it's like, mm. it's like little things like that. It's like, wait, but we're having a good conversation. Like, we're talking anyway on this, like, talking elsewhere. We wouldn't really, like, wouldn't really change anything. Like, it's just, you know, it, 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 sometimes it just, it just doesn't, like, make sense. And uh, I've, again, I've experienced times where there was this one time where, um, match with the girl uh we literally said hey how are you doing this and that and she literally after like half an hour of speaking she goes are you free to meet tomorrow and i was like wait what okay <laughs> wait what she's like yeah let's let's meet up in central tomorrow let's go grab some lunch or something and i'm like okay not used to that then i've also had someone who i spoke to for like a month <laughs> and they still wouldn't give me the number <laughs> they're like nah i still think it's, it's been a month and they're like oh, i still obviously this is this is ages ago and um I'm not using dating apps or anything right now anymore, but was, I, I was trying them out, uh, I think sometime like last year or two years ago, and I was getting a bit of like a feel of how dating apps work. Uh, and especially, especially this is these are especially the like the dating apps that like mostly Asians use. And I find like, you just, you just find a huge like variety. Like, this one person was like, oh, you know, three weeks in, I was like, oh, you know, would it be okay to get your number? They're like, nah, it's too soon. And I'm like, Three weeks in, because I didn't know how dating apps work. I was like, I was like, okay, maybe this is how it is. Maybe mm. I have to wait a month, maybe six weeks, maybe five weeks. I don't know. Um, so it, it can be so 
it could just be like literally like you said i guess pe- people themselves don't know what they're in it for and you can it's such a mixed bag really yeah i think i touched on it earlier but it's um because you're talking to multiple people so when you've obviously asked for the number they could be vibing with somebody else and the realization is when you've given your number out six <laughs> times it then you feel it but on a dating app you could be talking to six different people you don't feel it then um so that's the kind of realization like oh hold on i've given my number up a few too many times so the hesitation is there um so that could be one of the reasons but also again going back to um what i was saying sometimes it is purely that people just want to conversate and feel social and have that interaction and they're not actually looking for a relationship they just want entertainment and sadly, you get used in the process or you get ghosted. Um, or I don't, I'm not sure if you know about the terminology, but it's breadcrumbing it happens a lot as well. So this is where people kind of dip and dive between relationships and keep a little bit here, keep a little bit there in the hope that they can kind of pick it up later on and keep options open uh, rather than closing it. Um, and it's not fair on the other people, other person, but people do accept it because they would rather have someone that they're speaking to rather than no one. Um, and in the process, what happens is you just start feeling like we're not very worthy about yourself and um, your self-worth decreases without you realising because you're allowing this behaviour to carry on rather than stopping yeah. it and saying, actually, you were supporting on me for three weeks. Why, you know, no one can be that busy. Um, but we don't question it because we just think, oh, they, they're still interested, but they're also interested in another five other people. Dave Marcy, I have a question for you. <laughs> and this this question is kind of sparked Very a lot of debate. <laughs> uh, what have I said? What have I said? Oh, no. <laughs> yeah, it's a very simple question, but it's caused a lot of arguments amongst our female friends about this question, right? Okay. It's, it's a debate. And we want to know, who has it who who has it harder to date guys or girls because mm. <sighs> as guys mean hardy say it's harder for guys to find someone yeah. or is it for girls they say girls find it harder to find someone but as since you're you know you're very knowledgeable and you have loads of years in this industry I want to know your opinion on this question my instant reaction, obviously, being a female is probably female, but I think it's equal to some degree because I actually no, the, I would say women may feel like they've got it harder only because they, what I find is that women are more proactive when it comes to dating rather than men. And I've known this because I've seen this through the experience of running the events. My female tickets always sell out really, really fast. The male tickets take a lot longer. And that's because women are more proactive. They literally see it and they see the opportunity and they're looking for companionness. It's not necessarily that they want to get married. They just want companionness. And eventually, obviously, they would like to start a family. And so we do have that biological clock that's ticking for us, which is kind of driving some of our decisions. Whereas for men, and again, as you the older they get, they're not so fussed about if they don't start a family, it's not the be all and end all. Um, so they're a bit more relaxed in that aspect they haven't got to accommodate too much Um, and if they want to have a family they can if they don't want to they don't want to whereas for a woman to make that decision and decide that she doesn't want to have a family I suppose going back to stigma and stuff um, it's quite a big decision 
Um, I myself, as a married couple, we can't have children. So it's quite a, it's a battle I've been through myself. And um, a lot of unwarranted questions I've had to deal with as well. Um, And it tends to always go towards the female rather than the male, even though it's a male and female relationship. So again, when it comes to dating, I think maybe women have it slightly harder. There's more judgment on women. Um, Maybe this is going back to the rom-coms and the Bollywood films because we've all been taught that the woman must be a certain height, shyness, be this. There's so much criteria a woman has to tick, whereas the man has to simply sweep her off her feet really so yeah um I'm not sure if I'm going to get any ticks for that or not but I would say probably females may have it slightly harder than men I I think it's it's a lot harder for men because just just purely because of the fact I feel like females um you know have a lot more choice Uh, I completely uh respect everything you've said and I agree with everything you said uh, all those things uh, I feel like do uh, exist for women, and uh, those obviously everyone has their own sort of you know things they have to deal with and stuff. So that's definitely there. But I feel like in in today's generation, uh, the the amount of attention that females get is I feel like is a lot more than men get, for example. Um, so and this is uh, I'm talking from experience, right? So um, a few months mm-hmm. back during lockdown, when the first lockdown happened, my <laughs> aunt from uh, so I've got cousin sisters in india and i've got aunt there as well and my aunt calls my mom and mom's like my aunt goes to my mom saying uh you know uh we need to find someone for the cousin sister and she wants her to find someone over here (laughs) and i've always been interested in knowing or finding out what it's like to be a girl on dating apps and stuff i wonder what like how many matches they get how many guys message them compared to like what it's like to be a guy for example and i so um, it was like a kind of like a social experiment for me almost. I found it really fun. So I was like, I was like, mom, yeah, let's do it. You know? So I was like, I'll make a ding a profile for her. Literally put one picture off of her, just one picture of her. Right. Uh, on this, this dating app left it there for about a few hours and the phone just kept buzzing, buzzing, buzzing. So I made the profile on my mom's, uh, mom's phone. Mom, my mom didn't even know. My mom was like, why is my phone constantly buzzing? What's going on? And then I check off a few hours and she had like about over like 120 matches within like a few hours. And that's, that's, I wouldn't see that happening normally in a guy's profile, right? So, and so now you've got all these guys trying to, and there's people that are like, uh, on these apps, like to send someone a message, you have to pay. So there's people paying just to send her a message saying, hey, how are you doing? Uh, they haven't even matched with her yet. And that for me was a, a huge eye opener. And I was like, wow, like, you know, do you, like, there's just so much more, uh, traffic i guess i guess you say uh for yeah. women uh do you agree with me i agreed in what you're saying in that aspect so what i find through the events is that women are more selective than men so when it comes to the matches afterwards men will kind of go to town on the tick lists and be like yay i'm gonna tick like five or six yeah. different people women will be like I will only tick two people or three people, or they'll actually be honest and say, look, I'm sorry. I just didn't like anyone. I don't want to connect with anyone. Whereas men will just see it as options. So I think that women generally are very more, very much more selective, even at the events as well. I would say that women's guard is a bit more up than men. 
as well. I do feel for you guys, especially that it is hard to approach women these days. It's become a lot harder. Um, you know, when I mentioned earlier, we don't meet in yeah. bars anymore. And when you do meet at an event as well, it's very, very difficult. And if she's there with a friend, it's even harder to approach her as well, because then you're trying, you've got two people's judgment to kind of have yeah. on you. Um, so in that aspect, I think, yes, men have it harder to approach women. Um, women, Again, it may take somebody really amazing for the woman to back down and go, oh, okay, I'm going to reply to this. Um, whereas men would be like, oh, okay, I've got somebody's message me, yeah. let me reply. Um, so there is this selection process going through a mo- woman's mind. Um, and I think also it's just, again, going back to the whole proactiveness and women being organised, we probably are already thinking of x y and z before we reply back whereas the guy just sees it more purely as oh great somebody likes yeah. me let's reply whereas a woman really kind of worked out so many oh i don't i'm not sure about this oh what about this and maybe even you know oh he's from leicester i don't want to talk to him it's like well, hold on just give the guy a chance you don't even know if he's based in leicester anymore he could be living in london or something like that so um yeah i think women are a bit more selective and don't want to waste time now and i think this goes back to companionness that they're only going to speak to somebody if it's worth their while so there's more investment from a woman and also when it comes to dating I think women date emotionally men kind of date logically as options does that make sense yeah, that makes sense yeah it was just a burning question that we had we were just uh we'd always like kind of have debates and arguments with our female friends about what we think is like like because there there is two like con- contrasting opinions on them, but you've kind of mentioned like the pressure side. I guess that's where the females come from, you know, feeling like there's a certain pressure they need to find someone. That's why they feel like it's harder. Whereas the guys initially it's harder to find someone in the guy's perspective because of if the girl doesn't speak to them back or they get rejected or stuff like that. Like it makes sense. Like we just wanted to know what you feel about it. Well, like I said, I've never been kind of posed that question, but even that's got me thinking. So, yeah, I think um, <laughs> yeah, you've opened up a can of worms for me too, to, to answer. Um, but, yeah, I think in a nutshell, I mean, it's dating has just become increasingly harder these days um, for both genders. Um, yeah. If you had to give just one tip to anyone new to dating, what would you give them? New to dating. Um, I would say if you're going to be on apps and stuff like that, one of the biggest mistakes people make is that people write their profile for the mass rather than they want to attract everyone to their profile rather than actually honing down on what you want or what you want to attract to you. Um, And that's where you get all these you know, messages behind the scenes or really nasty messages sometimes, you know, women get uh, as well. Um, And, I think it's because people just think that, oh, if I I have to write and please everybody, when actually you don't need to. And one of the things I'd say right now is, especially with lockdown, think about revising your profile. So make a lockdown profile. Sounds a bit crazy. Revamp your photo. Pick a photo from something during lockdown, maybe a project that you've actually been, that you've achieved um, and that you've done and talk about it in your profile and be positive as well. So talk about the, you know, I 
I've, I don't know, um, <clears throat> if you've taken up art or you've taken up a, a woodwork project or something like that, talk about it in your profile and give somebody an inkling, insight into who you are um, rather than just kind of saying, yes, I'm fun loving, I'm this, I'm that, you know, the generic stuff that people, you think that that's yeah. what people want to hear. Whereas actually it's try, trying to be unique and being as true to yourself as possible. Um, talk about, you know, lockdown um holidays that you want to go on after lockdown as well and be positive about coming out of lockdown it's very easy to just be so negative about the situation right now and it, negativity comes across in profiles and it's a massive turn off so um people can pick up on that um so if you can be as positive as possible in your profiles um you got you are naturally going to attract more people to you um but yeah just be just try and be as true to yourself and not you don't need to tick all the boxes for everybody else. You just need to figure out what it is that you want. But also try not to be too selective, if that makes sense, that, you know, you've cr- you've narrowed it down to such a criteria that it's very, very hard to find somebody. Um, uh, you know, and, you know, things like location and stuff like that, you don't need to, you don't need to put that on there. Um, but I would say, you know, especially now, one thing that people have learned during lockdown um, and p- conversations that people are having is that people are having deeper conversations with people when they are talking to them um, because, we, you know, you've got the time to do that or you can have video dates. So quality in relationships has definitely come out. Uh, people don't want time wasters anymore. Um, people actually want to connect on a deeper level. So actually write that in your profile. No time wasters. I'm looking to meet somebody on a deeper level and see what happens. You might end up finding you attract the right people starting to view your profile rather than, Oh, okay. Yeah. I like, I like his cap. I'm going to say yes to this or I'm going to, you know, being a bit more official, you know, you know, people will start delving a bit more deeper into finding out who you are because you've given a different approach. So yeah, that's the advice I would give to somebody trying dating now, but there's no harm in it. Put yourself out there. It does take time. That's all I will say. It's not a quick fix, but very few people meet somebody very quickly even through my events people do have to come to you know a couple of events to figure out whether it's right for them as well it's not a quick fix and I always tell people as well that you know the events are not guaranteed that all I'm doing is purely creating opportunities for you what you're like at the event and what you what your attitude is like towards dating is what you will attract to you so if you come and you're in a bad mood you might not get many ticks because people don't people don't warm to you whereas if you're fun bubbly and just having a really good time and not taking it seriously and coming with the notion that yes I'm going to walk away with a bride then you'll actually enjoy the experience and you'll feel good about yourself and you'll feel confident and that confidence will come transpire and attract someone to you yeah definitely I I think um if you know summarizing literally summarizing what you were saying if, if there was a tip that I would give not that I'm a dating expert or anything like that, but I feel like gen- genuinity and literally being as simple as, you know, just being yourself, I think that can take you quite far in finding the right person for yourself rather than um, you often find people trying to be something else that they're not just to... Uh, it's, it's like mm-hmm. in, in your dating app profile, you're saying all the things like you, like you like you mentioned. People will write the things to um, attract as many people as possible, rather than you know writing something that is very specific to them or something very personal to them. Uh, mm-hmm. Same way in person, 
uh, sometimes people will try act a certain way or be a certain way to try to attract as many people. Uh, and they'll find mm-hmm. that maybe actually it doesn't work all the time, you know. And what actually works, I think, is you you being true to yourself and you being yourself because that really does come across. People can really, you know, just like it's the vibes, it's the energy. People can really pick up on stuff like that. Yeah. And it's very unheard of. It's very unspoken of. People will be like, oh, yeah, you know, be confident. be all, uh, Yeah, that's that will that will all come with you being yourself. Like if, if you're in a very comfortable place, yeah. like that will... Sh- shine across and they'll come across and um you'll you'll just do a lot better uh but another thing i wanted to sort of uh, touch up upon with you and get your opinion on is you know we, we live in a day and age where social media is a big big thing now and uh okay so we've spoken about people that are single and we've spoken about people that don't have anyone but let's talk about couples now uh and let's talk about mm-hmm. couples during lockdown or just like couples that you might find on social media during like let's say valentine's day for example or during christmas day or whatever and they're spending time with each other and then you know they're going for brunch or whatever and they'll be like oh with my loved one with my one and only or this and that and imagine seeing that and you're single and you're seeing these pictures of couples you know on social media um do we think that that might make people more inclined to then go try find someone as well and then you know, then be like, you know, actually, I want to get someone as well now. Would that make them feel bad? Uh, do you think that's that's the thing? Um, so, yes, yeah, social media is, um, it has its pros and cons. Um, I mentioned it earlier about rom-coms and Bollywood films, but I feel like social media has replaced those films. So they taught us all about how to be in love and how, how a relationship should be. Now social media seems to be the one teaching us. It's almost like social media has become Google for relationships. We look at <laughs> what we see on screen. Half the time it's content from people that we know, friends and family, let alone ce- celebrities. And we think it's true because obviously they're posting it, but we always forget that we only ever post the good stuff. We never show any of the hardships that are going on behind exactly. the scenes so people posting their my beloved or um you know um date night today and things like that it's probably being triggered from someone else seeing that on someone else's post and they are now competing and re-replicating it and recreating what they've seen on someone else's so you have to be mindful when you're on social media it's addictive a bit like the apps it's designed to keep you there as well um but it can be very very toxic for you so when you're seeing that constantly you start to feel like you're a failure or that areas in your life are failing so take it taking dating for instance you know you can see people are posting that they've got into a new relationship or they are in a relationship or they're getting married and so you naturally start feeling like that's it my my life is so <laughs> crap because I cannot find yeah. somebody. Excuse the French, but that's how it's exactly what happens. To be honest, I'm exactly the same. And I actually um, posted a video about this recently about taking a break from social media. I did it myself um, because whilst I'm in a relationship, um, this year has been very very challenging from a business side of things um seeing other people pivot their business um feeling like i haven't done it fast enough or haven't been able to do it um and just generally you just see what everyone else is up to or people are socializing when they shouldn't be socializing and things like that and i noticed that it was having a really really negative approach and effect on me and my mindset so i took a break i ended up taking coming off social media for about a month and it was best month i felt so free i felt like my brain could 
breathe. I wasn't comparing myself. And I, I myself found myself comparing other family members or, you know, I'd get triggered by certain things that I would see as well, not even just, just you know, about business, but other things. And that's what it is. It's designed to do that. It's kind of it's triggering you, your emotions. And sometimes I fear that it could end up triggering somebody in a very, very nasty way, especially when, especially with mental health being so high at the moment. Um, so I think we really, really need to be mindful that we only ever post the good stuff. We don't post the bad stuff. And also social media is designed to kind of give you this perfect life show a perfect life and people go looking for it so similar to the apps you know the photos and things that we put up same same with social media we only ever post perfection so people have that thinking that that's what exists out there they didn't show the before picture before the person was putting on makeup or dyeing their hair or showing anything else that it's just you know you only ever see the good side um so i would say that if you are feeling triggered with social media right now and it's having a negative impact on you, either consider blocking accounts just for a while um, um, or simple thing is make a list of the achievements that you've actually achieved. Sounds really, really simple. It's something I did as well because I was very quick to tell myself, oh, I haven't achieved anything this year because I can't run events. Um, that's it game over for me but I'd forgotten that I'd done so much other things you know with my family with my friends even with the business that people don't see that I just wouldn't have ever had the chance to do that but I didn't see that I was seeing because I couldn't run events I was seeing myself as a failure so similar to other people because I'm single I'm a failure and I haven't pushed my dating career any further no you're not a failure because you've actually worked on yourself and you wouldn't have ever had that time beforehand um, you've connected with your family. You've probably maybe even had conversations with them that you never thought you'd have, but you've had the time to do it. Those are all massive, massive wins, but we don't ever, ever acknowledge them because we take them for granted. And those are the, not the things that we post on social media. We would rather post a picture where it says, oh, I'm on a first date after lockdown. <laughs> so I would say, yeah, be mindful of how much time you're spending on social media and the accounts that you're following as well. Definitely, 100%. I think uh, one takeaway that we can all sort of have uh, from what you said that was very insightful, uh, I think, and one thing people should keep with them is the, the fact that don't take everything too seriously and too hard because, you know, let's say, for example, like a couple posts a picture of them, you know, saying, oh, yeah, three-year three year anniversary with my whatever, and, you know, people might think, oh yeah, you know, they probably have the best three years of their life and stuff, but you don't know what hardships that couple has been through, right? Mm -hmm. And so just always yeah. be mindful that everyone has struggles and everyone's going through stuff. Um, so not to take it too seriously and uh, yeah, it should be good. Yeah, I think just to end on that note, um, with me, um, obviously I am a couple, we are a couple people, I'm married and everyone knows that I'm Date Massey and he's become known as Date Massa, which he absolutely hates that name, <laughs> but you know, it is what it is. Um, but even when I'm posting pictures, I do post pictures of us because people know us as a couple, but I am careful about what I say. So even for Valentine's Day, I posted a picture of the present I got. I got a Dyson Hoover for Valentine's Day, but I twisted it to say, this is what happens after marriage. These are kind of exciting presents that you look forward to. So it kind of a, a different spin on it. That It wasn't like all lovey-dovey. It was actually, you know, it, 
look, these are the things that you want to get into a relationship. Great. But the, don't expect flowers and chocolates after several years of marriage. These are what you get, <laughs> practical gifts. So I'm careful about what I what I post about us. And also if I do post anything that we are out and about, I I post it with the, with the notion that it's date night. So it's date ideas for you to take on board rather than me rubbing it in your face that all oh, we're on date nights actually like look we tried this restaurant out why don't you do the same if you're talking to somebody at the moment and that's what happens that I get a lot of messages afterwards where people go well, how was it I'm thinking about doing this so I try and do it in a helpful way rather than rubbing salt in the wound because I like I said I touched on it earlier you know I'm we're a couple that can't have children so for me it's very difficult even sometimes to see families and people announcing their birth you know children's birth and things like that I've obviously come to accept it but yeah you you know it's still difficult um to see all of that so I'm very much very very careful about how people feel and how emotions are and those two questions about when you're getting married and when you're having kids are my two bugbears so I fully get it when people are single and they are exposed to family functions where they know that question is coming trust me I've been there I've hated those questions um and you just kind of sometimes you just have to grin and bear it and go through it but you do feel the knock-on effects afterwards so this is something I'm trying to educate people to stop asking those questions because it ha- has a really really damaging effect on somebody but you never see that side of it sometimes it's too late mm, definitely i agree with you that night mm-hmm. social media needs to be taken kind of seen with a deeper lens in my opinion like yeah. what the apps are working and stuff um but yeah anika thank you for joining us in this podcast thank you very much for having me i thought we've talked we've talked about lots today yeah. <laughs> thank you so much for joining us where can the lovely people find you um, so they can find me on Facebook and Instagram at the handles of Date Massey. So it's D-A-T-E-M-A-S-I. Um, and the best that's probably the best way to find me. And my website is datemassey.com. So they can join the mailing list through the website. And then we can keep them posted on future events that we're hosting um, in the new year now. Um, but yeah, you know, the one thing is with the brand is very much I want to put a personal touch to dating. So when people do reach out to me, they are actually speaking to me. Um, and so I want to get to know my audience and I like to get to know my audience. So be warned, if you do send a message, you might get a reply from me. <laughs> that is awesome. Uh, I would just urge everyone to definitely uh, give this a try. If you are single and you're having difficulty finding someone, definitely try out Date Marcy because uh, you're going to be you know, uh, talking to someone who's a very genuine person. So best believe that whatever she's got planned for you guys uh, would be in your best interest. And uh, also, I want to wish you good luck for the upcoming events, Date Marcy. And uh, hopefully stay in touch. And uh, it was lovely speaking to you. Thank you once again. Brilliant. Thanks for having me. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you.